Welcome to Courageous Womanhood with Shalise Allen Millett, where we believe every woman has a story to tell. We're here with Emily McIntosh, who I'm so excited to introduce you to. Um, you may also already follow her. Um, so I'm going to let her introduce herself and what she does, what her thing is right now. Which thing? <laughs> all the things. Okay, all the things. So I am, I am, I'm Emily McIntosh. I go by Emily Ruth in a lot of spaces. So um, that may, if you know me, that may be what you know me as. Ruth is my middle name. This little guy is Wally. Um, he's five months old yesterday, and he is just kind of rocking our world in all the good ways. <laughs> right? So thank you for having me. This is fun. This is fun. I always love having conversations with women that, like, I would want to talk to anyway. Right? And, like, sweet, a good, like, excuse to just yeah. get together and... and yeah, we may have to cut this into several. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> several we may have, have a few conversations. So anyway, so what am I doing? Let's see. Lately, I've been back in school. I'm I'm in an MFT, a marriage and family therapy program, and I'm loving it. And um, that's kind of, you know, I started right after I had him. So it's been a lot of energy, and my family's been really supportive and, yeah. and loving. And maybe we'll get you on the ground playing. You want to play with a toy? So, um, yeah, so school is, is filling my cup and, you know, Using resources at the same time, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's a really um, been a good thing for us. But what I really have been passionate about and what I kind of put myself out in the online space about a lot is, is body positivity and um, appreciating this gift that we've been given of, of our body that houses our spirit. So yeah, I, I really feel so connected to the truth that my spirit is in this body for a reason. I'm here for a reason. And so I appreciate this, this tool that I've been given. It's, I really see it as it gives me opportunities to live the life that I want to live, right? So yeah, so body positivity has been kind of something I've been passionate about and, and talking a lot about in, in public spaces. And, and so that's kind of what I do. I talk about it. <laughs> And I love it. In fact, so I know Emily when Emily and I went back to school together at the mm -hmm. same time and we ended up in the same program mm -hmm. um, for the first year. Mm -hmm. And I think you graduated in marriage and family studies, is yes. that right? And, yes. I, and I ended up going into business studies, yeah. but we yeah. started out together. Yeah. Um, and I remember one time, um, maybe you were reading something you wrote, like an essay that we had mm -hmm. to write for class, and you talked about being a dancer mm -hmm. and how that affected your body and, and mm -hmm. your kind of your journey through mm -hmm. that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Wow. So yeah, or a lot of it. You can yeah. talk as much as you want about yeah. it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, being a dancer and really defining myself as a dancer for like most of my life. I, I, I say I literally grew up in the dance studio because my mom owned and ran a dance studio. Oh, wow. And, you know, she'd be teaching classes and yeah. I'd be in the corner like in a jumper or something. Yeah. Like, so I literally, most of my memories in childhood are connected to being in the dance studio and and it's really interesting because that space can be really positive in terms of getting to know myself and really em embodiment this this idea of embodiment and really being in my body and yet there's also like this weird flip side to the dance world <clears throat> of comparison and looking in the mirror and sort of having like an outside perspective too so not being embodied and and it can go both ways mm -hmm. and my experience really kind of was 
really mixed. I'll just say that. So growing up, you know, it was my mom's dance studio. There wasn't a whole lot of body shaming and all of that. But I remember going to trainings and, um, you know, master classes and, and workshops and stuff around the country and suddenly stepping into a space and being like, oh, this is what everyone's doing. This is how everyone's dressing. This is how my body should look because that's how all of their bodies look. And feeling, and feeling a lot of shame, even though that wasn't my experience right. in like our home studio, mm-hmm. that was my experience going out into the dance world. Going out into the dance world and, and like suddenly realizing, oh, I'm expected, or dancers are expected to look a certain way, right. act a certain way, walk a certain way, my feet need to be turned out when I walk. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like all of these silly little things that we pick up on as kids, cause kids are sponges and yeah. they, we just take everything in. Yeah. And so I learned really quickly that I, I was supposed to look a certain way. That was yeah. the message that I internalized. And so I would say probably the first time that I remember thinking, and, and um, my sisters say that they remember earlier, me saying something about going on a diet at age four. I don't remember that. But I know by age seven, I definitely knew my body looked different than all the girls in my class. Wow. I was, I've was i always been built very muscular, like more like a gymnast probably mm-hmm. than a dancer. Um, I'm not very tall. I'm kind of your average 5'4", you know, kind of built with a muscular body. But, um, you know, all my dance friends were these tall, very slender, you know, ballet type bodies. And I wanted to be a ballerina so bad. That was right. really... Um, all the dancers that I looked up to had that ballet physique. Yeah. So, um, it was, it was a mixed journey growing up. I really felt, I feel a lot of gratitude that I was able to have a lot of freedom with my body. Um, and another interesting side note is that I grew up out in the desert. Like, I didn't live in a neighborhood where there were streets and sidewalks and neighbors, really. Oh, wow. (laughs) I didn't have neighbors. I had, it was desert land and we had several acres and then like way down the way, not even a road, but there was a house. Yeah. And so kind of interesting because socially I was very isolated. And so I kind of had this bubble, like this happy bubble and I would go run play in the desert and I had my tree forts and I didn't have a lot of toys growing up. Nature was like my playground. And I love that part of of my childhood. Yeah. But what it did is that going to school, I wasn't socialized quite the same way. I wouldn't say I was like inept or anything. Right. But I, you know, making friends was a little bit different for me. I didn't, you know. Well, and kids that had grown up together since the age of two. And they're in the same neighborhood. And they would play together in their neighborhood. And then I would come to school and be like, I don't know any of you. Right. And so I I internalized that. I don't know if you would say it negatively, but I carry that with me, that I'm kind of a loner. Did you did, did you feel like that had anything to do with the way you looked? Like, if I just look like this, then yeah. they would accept me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because I was a little bit of a ragamuffin, like, running barefoot in the desert. Like, I, I love that. Like, now looking right. back, I'm like, that's so rad. Like, right. that's so cool that I just was like this free, yeah. you know, free child. And, and um, my parents just let me, let me yeah. be and learn what, and I, so... I have a very creative side because that part is very developed. I yes. was very creative and I was allowed, was given the space to really be creative. Right. And even with movement, with dance, I could like make up my own little weird dances yeah. and, and it was appreciated. It was right. kind of like, cool, that's rad. Keep doing more. Yeah. Of it. So I love that. But then there's this piece of 
coming into school and wow, I don't dress like anyone, you know, like back to yeah. school shopping for us was like going to Desert Industries or Goodwill. Right. And, right. you know, I have like 20 bucks or whatever. Like yeah. that just, and again, I love that I grew up that way. Right. I love that I, I'm kind of scrappy. I love that about myself. Yeah. But growing up, that was hard to face. Like, yeah. wow, I'm scrappy. All these kids like, right. have matching outfits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they all shopped at the Gap. If I just looked like this, if then I they would accept like this. Yeah. And if I looked like that in my clothing, maybe I would be accepted. Right. So these messages of, I don't look right, I don't right. dress right, my body doesn't fit From the, the age mold. of seven is your From first the, memory. Really, yeah. Age of seven, I remember. Wow. I consciously remember thinking, I need to be on a diet. Yeah, really young. Wow. Really young. And how long, how long was that journey mm -hmm. for you? I mean, are we talking still in your teen years you were struggling? Oh, in my 20s. Wow. Into my 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say um, all of that really started, like I said, consciously I remember around 7 being aware of it. By 10 I was definitely dieting. I was watching and I was paying attention. And I was, you know, listening. I mean, there were some crazy diets in the dance world. And and I was paying attention. I was very wow. aware. And um, silly little things. I have memories of, like, you know, third grade. So I guess by then you're eight. And I remember sitting in my chair at school and seeing my legs, the skin on my legs kind of spread. You know, when right. you sit down. Because when you sit down, that because happens. Because that's what humans, right. our bodies do. That's what legs do. That's what legs do. Right. And I remember see, looking and seeing an, another girl who just had a very different body type. She's probably very naturally thin. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I mean, people yeah. are naturally thin sometimes. Right. You know, they just right. happen to fit into that. And their experience is just as valid, I want to say. Yeah. Because there's a lot of shaming Two, women are never right. Like either we're not right. busty enough, right. or we're not curvaceous enough, or we're not thin enough. Right. Like make up your mind. <laughs> right. Well, and that's that's something that's super important for me to come across with the body shame and the yeah. body thing. Yeah. So someone like me could easily say like, where do you get off talking about yeah. body shame? Right. Yeah. It comes in all shapes and yeah. sizes. Yeah. It just does. None of us, you know, feel, I, may feel, yeah. at least at some point, I don't know. I have met women who are like, I've always been comfortable in my skin and bless them. Right. And I hope they speak up and that their voice yes. permeates that everyone yes. has a place in, you know, in, yeah. this, in this space. Um, but, but I think most women but do. But I think a lot of women do struggle with yeah. that. No matter if they're thin and slender, then they might feel like they're not busty enough or curvy right. enough or whatever. Right. And if we're curvy, then we're not skinny enough. Like it's yeah. like we can't I have friends that were were right, they were too thin. I yeah. mean I just yeah. we just can't escape it yeah. and it's really yeah. too bad. Yeah. Because really we'd is. start to define ourselves by it and think true. If I were just like this, mm -hmm. then I would finally be loved and accepted. Yeah, so you're so, saying sorry. Eight years old, okay. saw your so, legs. Yeah. So I normal. saw my legs be normal legs, <laughs> right. my skin be normal skin, <laughs> right. and I thought, wow, that I don't like what that looks like. That does not look like on the magazine. Yeah, and I consciously, from that point on, would put my heels up in the air, no, so that my legs weren't actually on my chair. It was a conscious decision, and I did it for years. So oh, my gosh. And yeah. I just want, like, listeners to think of an 8-year-old in their life. Mm -hmm. An 8-year-old in their life. Yeah. And think of that 8-year-old yeah. feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And then also understanding that it hits as young as 7 or 8. Yeah. yeah. And and when I, so skip forward, I as I was teaching dance as an adult, mm -hmm. and I had little girls, I would teach little girls, I would see it as young as 5. Girls posing in the mirror and, like, trying to get the thigh gap. Yeah. Or, like pigeon towing or whatever like they know the poses so that their body can look how it looks from a camera's right 
point of view. Right. And part of that too is, you know, being aware as a dancer, you know, if I'm in Portobello, like I need to know where my arm is in space and like what I look like. Yeah. So we learn to do that as dancers. And then that just translates to what does it look like in the magazine? And I've got to oh. look like that. Like it's just. So you take it strange. from technique yeah. to value of yourself. Yeah. Not you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. You. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. So as young as eight, I was very, very aware of it. By, by age 13, 14, full-blown eating disorder behaviors. I was losing hair. My nails wow. were frail. My skin was yeah. not looking well. Um, and I would get, when I, when that would happen, I would get comments like, oh, you look so good. You're losing weight. Mm -hmm. Like that was, a, that was a compliment. Yeah. So by a very young age, I was full blown into disordered eating behaviors and I was and thinking about And it's fascinating food. to me that, that people, they're commenting just your weight, that, you know, the hair, yeah. the, but even though it, yeah. it doesn't matter because as long as you're getting thin yeah. at any cost. Mm -hmm. That's where the compliments mm -hmm. come from. And I'm not even sure if they could see the cost. Yeah. Maybe they weren't even aware. They probably They weren't. probably were honestly trying to make you sure. feel good. Oh, absolutely. Honestly trying to. Absolutely. But I think we need to be careful the way we talk we to do. women. Yep. Like, all of a sudden, now you're a beautiful mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times when I was going through a divorce... And I lost weight because I was the saddest I'd ever been in my life. Right. And, I, and I just, I couldn't think of, I mean, I food was not even a thought in my mind. Yeah. I was so depressed that, you know, that was nowhere near. Right. Nourishing ourselves usually isn't the first thing that we think of when we're going through a really difficult right. life thing. It should be. And I didn't know proper self-care at that right. point. I hadn't quite gained the skills yet. Okay. Right. Um, but that was the comments that I got from all directions. Oh, you're, you know, like... Oh, you're looking good. Like, that's the revenge yeah. body or whatever. And that, I internalized that too. Like, yeah. somehow now I'm acceptable. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Because I'm looking right. like this and really yeah. super unhealthy. Right. I was not healthy. Yeah. Body or mind, I was not in a good place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but we can't always see that. No, no. And like you said, um, they think, I don't fault, I don't fault anyone. No, they think that they're encouraging you mm -hmm. or whatever, but sometimes we don't. Yeah, we just don't see the picture. Yep. Yeah. And the the struggle people are going through. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So if you could go back mm -hmm. to your eight year old self, my eight year old self, or your seven, or your fourteen, yeah. whatever yeah. age you would choose, yeah, what would you go back and tell her? <laughs> the first thing I would want my eight year old self to understand would be um, knowing who and who I come from. Who do I come from? Who are my creators? Develop that relationship. That's really what I wish. I think I got really into to check boxes and doing all the right things to be a good girl. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't developing relationships right. that were going to uphold me and sustain me right. in the hard stuff. I mean, I'm not even getting into like some abuse I had as a child and, oh. you know, and my parents' divorce and like my family dynamics. Like there was a lot of things I was juggling as a young child who if I had had a solid sense of, um, I have infinite worth because I'm a child of God. Right. If I had been developing your that relationship, relationship with God and with yourself as a child. With my heavenly parents, if I could have seen myself as a, as a being of worth simply because I was created to be who I am, that that could have really been inoculated me yeah. from a lot of the struggle. Right. I could have understood that, I think. Which is, you know, now as a mother, right. I, I'm trying to instill 
what I wish I had really known. Yeah. And I don't fault my parents. I think that they've done the very best that they could. And, Absolutely. And with the tools that they had. And, and um, yeah, we don't blame our parents, but that, and, and I send messages I don't know I'm sending. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I do. just have to say. We all do. Yes. Right? <laughs> right? We're yeah, all sending I try. them. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about what you would say to your eight-year-old, 14-year-old mm -hmm. self. Mm -hmm. And the relationship you would try to develop with mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Did you say anything you wanted to say on that? I, I mean, I think that is, that's the main thing. That's what it boils down to. If I had really had a clear understanding of that, and I knew the words. I knew right. I even had people say, oh, you're, right, you know, you have divine heritage, or you, yeah. you know. But I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand it. And maybe if, if there had been some maybe um, guiding in that direction, yeah. and maybe a little more discussion about, okay, well, what does that mean to you? Right. Because I, I, it was very surface level, and I couldn't have told anyone Right. Really, what that meant? I right. been like, oh, well, I'm a daughter of God, and I, you know, I can like spout the words. Right. But I didn't really have an understanding, and I think if there had been very much discussion, that would have been discovered pretty yeah. early on by myself. I would have understood. Yeah. Hey, I don't really know what that means because I think I yeah. thought I knew what it meant. Right. But I didn't. Not enough for it to actually change how I was thinking yeah. and what I was doing. When, yeah, defining our worth based on that relationship mm -hmm. with something divine with God, mm -hmm. um, if that's your religion. Mm -hmm. um, but but understanding that that's your worth, and your worth isn't because you're a great dancer. You're the smartest person in your class, and you're the best piano player. You're the best singer, because one day you won't be. And so what does that happen to your worth? You know, Or one day you're going to hurt yourself as a dancer. So what does that do to your worth when you can't be dancing? You know, and, But when we can define our worth mm -hmm. as a child of God, a daughter of God, that we have worth just because we exist on this mm -hmm. earth, it changes us because that truth doesn't change. Mm -hmm. If we're suffering depression, if we're mm -hmm. in bed broken, that doesn't change. That worth doesn't change. Mm -hmm. I remember a conversation you and I had. Do you remember mm -hmm. standing outside um, I don't know where we were standing outside of the of the building after yeah, class after one class. night. Yeah. And I had I so I had had some health struggles earlier on in my life and some of them were coming back up when I went back to school. So I was a single mom going back to school, two little kids, um, you know, trying to work and, and earn money and, and all of the you yeah. know, these things that needed to happen, frankly. It's like I had to make money to feed my kids. Um and it was a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and my health just started going yeah. down again. And I remember saying something to you about, like, I just, I don't know if it was something something about my worth. Like, I just feel like if I have to lay in bed for an entire day, I feel worthless. Or something yeah. to that effect. I think I yeah. used that word worthless. And I remember you saying, Emily, it doesn't matter if you're laying in bed all day. You just existing you have word. I don't remember how you said it. It yeah. was very eloquent. <laughs> and it hit me. It really struck me in a way that I, I was thinking about it. And that really, I will just say that was a really pivotal moment for me in that part of my journey as a newly single mom, as someone going back to school and trying to figure out what I wanted to be as an adult. Yeah. As a, as yeah. a, as a, I think I was 30. Was I 30 when I went back to school? <clears throat> I had dropped out as a senior in college. Um, I was a dance major. And I had to drop out because of health issues. I was blacking out. I blacked oh out. I blacked out in one of my finals. And um, they were the campus, you know, whatever. What it, 
I want to say ambulance is not what it was. Yeah. But the, like the EMT. The type. EMT okay. type people came and they yeah. were like, you're not driving home. What are you thinking? Yeah. You just blacked out. Like, what right. if that happened on your way home? Like, we don't right. want to be responsible. And my husband at the time, like, had to drive me places for a while because my health was failing. And I just felt like if I'm not capable, if I'm not running at 100 miles an hour right. and doing all the things, checking all the boxes, yeah. what am I worth? What, right. am I, what do I have to offer this world? That right. was where my brain was. Yeah. I felt like I needed to be accomplishing and doing and graduating school yeah. and knowing what I needed to right. be as an adult. And I didn't know. I was do totally... That well. We do that. We do that as women. And, and I hate to say... I've seen a share amount of um, women climbing out of that hole and other women being uncomfortable with it and pulling them back Pulling down. them back down. And um, that's another thing we base our worth on is how much we're doing, how fast we're running. And so I'm worth something because I'm so busy. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm important because I'm busy and because I have so much to do. And we base our worth on all the tasks that we're accomplishing. Mm -hmm. and, and it's based on what we do, not who we are. Mm -hmm. That's what we start to base our yeah. work on. And I and I just have to say, I do remember that conversation. I have to say um, that that did not come, that understanding for me, I still fight with some days. Sure. But it did not come without a fight. I mean, I fought for that That was hard one yeah. knowing. That was yes. a deep knowing. And I could tell when yes. you were saying it that you really knew it and understood it. These weren't trite words that someone had told you and you were just passing it along. It was because you really knew it and felt it and experienced it. And that's why I was like, oh, she really seems to know this. Yeah. There's it, something to this. It was, it was, I was in bed. I think it was depression. It could have been, I've had a couple back surgeries, but I really think it was a very bad depression. I, I don't think I got out of bed for like six months. Listening to my husband trying to run our business and take care of the kids and just, mm -hmm. my kids are, you know, they're hungry and they're fighting and they're cranky because mom, and I really just thinking, what kind of mother lays in bed when her kids need her and just doesn't get up to help what what am I worth why am I on this earth if I am just gonna lay in this bed I'm just very very clearly this understanding coming just this almost like a voice from heaven saying I love you I love you laying in this bed and you don't have to do or be anything more than you are right now in this bed to have That's my love for you and I knew it was true. I knew it. And I forget it sometimes, and I have to remember that moment. But I knew it. And I, I want all women to know it. You know? Yeah. yeah. All women to know it. And, um, okay, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of also your struggles that I've understood and your losses that I understand. But before we go to that, I, I, I want to stay with body positivity just for a second. And um, this is what I'm watching with and I, I just did an interview with my girls and, and I worked really hard on body stuff with them because I grew up with my own you know just the culture I was in I grew up with and um, watching and I'm watching some of their friends and their parents putting them on diets and um, and I'm watching this phenomena and, and I don't know maybe you can speak to it more maybe you don't agree with it I don't know but this is what I'm seeing is that the more they lose weight and the more thin they're becoming, the more insecure they're mm -hmm. becoming. Absolutely. And the greater their need for validation and for people to tell them they look good and for people to notice how they look. Before they were trying to lose weight, before their parents put them on diets, all of this stuff, they were okay with themselves. They were okay with themselves. Mm -hmm. But now they're 
desperate for validation and they're desperate for people to notice how good they look. Have you seen that phenomena in your study of positivity Absolutely. that it actually makes them more insecure? Absolutely. I've lived it too. Right? But I've read all the research. Okay. I have read, that was one of my, one of my focuses in my undergrad when I went back to school. Mm -hmm. um, one of the major research projects that I did was basically finding all of the studies that supports why dieting doesn't work, number one, it's not even right. effective. But then what that does to us as people yeah. and how it changes how we move through the world. So you're absolutely spot on. This is, this is really happening. And it's changing, I think it's changing how, um, well, one of the things I said is it's changing how women interact. There's actually some interesting studies and, and work that has been done between women and friendships really? and dieting. Really? And, and relationships and okay. dieting. Yeah, okay. it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. And so what you're seeing is really happening. This isn't some weird little just in a pocket. This right. is happening. It's happening all over. It's a universal thing um, that when, when we put ourselves on a diet or our parents put us on a diet or whatever the yeah. situation is, that it, it breaks down basically your... Um, your, how do I say this? How you feel about yourself. An interesting thing that I read, and I wish I had like thought ahead and, and brought some of the, the studies and stuff that I've read. Girls in school, mm -hmm. particularly girls who are dieting or doing dieting behaviors, which honestly is like, I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's like 70% of girls, 70 or 80% of girls in junior high and high school are, are dieting. It's up to 90% in colleges. So girls who are doing that, who are in, a, in an educational setting, are less likely to do well on a test, mm -hmm. less likely to raise their hand in, in class to make a comment. These are statistics. These are studies. We have proven that this is what happens. Girls are less likely to push themselves educationally because they have this um, underlying fear of not being accepted. And it's interesting how that can change the trajectory of, of a girl's educational path wow. if she's willing to go to college even right or finish high school wow because she's um feeling insecure and insecure enough that she's afraid to raise her hand because she doesn't want people in the class to look at her oh. um and how that stunting growth not only you know oh, physically. socially and physically yeah. but it's stunting educational growth in girls and women wow yeah so we're we're talking we need more women in science we need more women in all these things but we are, we need to start way down yeah. with, we need to tell women that they are still, no matter what they look yeah. like, no matter how they present, yeah. they're worth listening yeah. to and asking a question. And yeah. um, wow. I love the work that Lindsay and Lexi Kite are doing with, love with it. Beauty Redefined. Yes. They're really doing such a good job of articulating, um, not only that bodies, <laughs> frankly, our bodies are don't define us. Right. And, and it doesn't matter, I mean, what if I were, you know, in a, in a terrible accident tomorrow and I was paralyzed? Would that make me any less worthy of doing right. the work that I meant to do in right. this world? No. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. invalidate or disqualify yeah. what I'm really meant to do. My body is here to hold my spirit and really nothing else. And right. if I am paralyzed or for what, you know, whatever, that doesn't make me any right. less worthy. And and I love the work of Beauty Redefined. And mm -hmm. one of their mottos is I'm, I'm, um, and my body's an instrument, not an yes. ornament. And yes. I love that. Yes. Women are so much exactly. more than something to just be looked at. Mm -hmm. We are brains and heart and soul and all of that. Mm -hmm. We're so much more than just something to look at. And and mm -hmm. I, women and girls need to understand this. This is so important. Yes. It's, it's really life-changing. And I think, 
you know, again, I don't, I don't fault my parents or the no, family that I grew no. up in, but learning this has taken me 38 years. I'm almost right. 38 years old. And if I can instill these things in my children, it's not only girls. And I will say, I have three boys yeah. and I, my oldest is 11. And last year, maybe it was two years ago. So yeah, he was like nine and he goes to a, a good school with sweet friends, but dieting was a topic of conversation. Wow at nine years old with a boy. Wow. I don't think that we typically think of right. boys dealing with this. They're dealing with it yeah. too. And studies are showing that young men yeah. are having the same experiences now of women. It's a little delayed. It might not be quite um, to the, it, it looks different. It presents boys. differently. Presents differently. It presents differently. But boys are dealing with right. it too. And so I don't want to discount that experience. No. But I think that the fact that boys are experiencing it Boys' um, uh, coping mechanisms are different, and it changes how they see and view women. Yeah. I mean, we don't, probably not time to get into that, but I, I know that comments, um, there's a person in my family, a male adult, who I am certain has had eating disordered behavior. Yeah. And um, again, it looks different because he's not, um, it doesn't present the same as it just a woman. A same. woman is typically right. uh, vocally and publicly on a diet or, mm -hmm. you know, talking about her body right. and oh, this isn't good. Right. For men, it's different. They may not be as vocal, right. but they do experience it. And, and what's interesting is that insecurity in this male figure in my life presented as making comments about other people's bodies. And in my mind, I was thinking, if this is a good man who I respect in my life and he's judging and making comments about women's body bodies, is he thinking that way about me? Right. And does that mean that my body is kind of up for judgment? Like right. any person walking down right. the street has the right to make a comment about my body? If, right. If we to objectify the, me that to way. To objectify me that way. And I don't think that it's really recognized often is that that's what's happening. But that is exactly what's happening. Right. We're talking about someone else's body. We're objectifying them. We're reducing them down yeah. to a physical, you know, it might as well be a box. I mean, right. like we're talking about, like, she's not even a human. Right. And, um, yeah, right. it's, it's. Then all she has to offer is something to look at. Yeah. Or just, she's an object for my enjoyment. For my enjoyment. Yeah. If we go to the beach and she doesn't look a certain way in a swimsuit, she doesn't deserve to be on the beach. Right. And I learned from a young age that, gosh, I better sure watch what I wear at the beach. Yeah. I better be dressing for everyone else who might look at me or see me. Right. And that changes how right. I move through the world. Right. That changed. I wasn't able to to enjoy going to the beach till my kids. I this honestly, I'm trying to. I was trying to um, think about when that was the first time that I let myself run on the beach and play frisbee with my boys. And isn't that sad? I miss so many opportunities to right. connect with. and just love being the beach and to love the ocean love and enjoy yourself. Yeah. So I I do want to I do want to come back because something you said. Um, I do want to come back because I did talk about, you know, friends who, my my daughter's friends whose parents are putting on diets. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I want to make sure that there's no shame in that comment because I really think they think that they're helping their child. We need to tell our daughters, you are worth loving no matter what you look like. Yeah. You are worth loving no matter what you weigh. You are worth loving no matter what body type you have. Mm -hmm. And to just come in and, and when they come and say, oh, so-and-so was mean to, mean to me today, the answer's not, well, if maybe if you lost a little weight or maybe if you yeah. wore these kind of clothes or then maybe they would accept you. But yeah. 
their loss, you are worth loving. And one day you will find people that see your value and will want to be your friend because you're a good friend. And our message to them needs to be one of total love and acceptance, yeah. not if you change, then they'll like yeah. you. So I'm not trying to shame no. any parent that put their child on and, a diet ever. I, I think, they think they're helping, but the studies are showing they're hurting. They are. And the medical community, it's still very split and divided because there's enough studies done to show that dieting is detrimental to our health. Right. But there's still, I hate to say this, um, I have doctors in my family, so I'm not putting down doctors right. and we need medicine. You know, I, I myself have benefited from Western medicine, my right. life has been saved, if I can just be honest. Right. However, this topic, um, some doctors are really behind on, on, on understanding mm -hmm. what the studies are showing us. Right. So my point to that is, yeah. a lot of parents really feel that they're, they're trying to prevent negative health consequences in their children. They want to get them on the right track early right. on. So we're going to right. get you on a diet and eating right. Right. And, and the studies show that's just not beneficial. But right. not everyone understands that, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I do believe, and, I, and I've talked about this a little bit, and it's super vulnerable for me to talk about, but, but because I grew up in a culture that was all about your worth is your weight, mm -hmm. I totally rebelled against it to total obesity, mm -hmm. right? But there's no love in your body in that either. And I remember hearing someone say, and I wish I, I, wish I could give them the credit, but I don't remember, but they're saying this body love thing is creating obesity, but that's not what it's about. And, and that's my journey right now, yeah. you know, is in being totally honest, is saying, this isn't loving my body. Loving my body isn't I can eat whatever I want and be whatever size I want because there are health repercussions sure. Sure. to being overweight, but it's not about the weight and the diet. It's about yeah. loving our body nourishing our body mm -hmm. food is medicine yeah. that type of stuff yeah. and so I, I do understand that there sure. is a, there is a balance there sure but we're, we're putting so much emphasis on the number on the scale mm -hmm. and not on the uh, you the know we're not health. the true health you know mm -hmm. oh I have the worst headache well you had 10 potter otter pops for breakfast so yes gonna you have that. a headache right yeah. yeah and and to use to talk about food in that perspective mm -hmm. of how it's a Affecting our body, mm -hmm. not about we can use food. I thought food was used to control your size. Interesting. That's what that I thought was food was for. Was... Food is used to control your size. It either makes you fat or it makes you thin. Wow. Right? So food, so food is is used to nourish our bodies, and it makes us healthy or it makes us sick. Is really that's a really interesting core belief that you. Isn't that a fascinating core belief? Food and is used about to all the ways that it affects yeah. how you interact with food, your relationship with food, oh, right. your relationship with your body. If I eat a bad food, does that make this bad? Right. If I eat a Twinkie, right. if I have a birthday cake at my son's <laughs> birthday party, does that make right. this bad because I ate a bad food? Right. And yeah. so am I bad? Am I a failure? Yeah. Like, yeah, it all it gets makes really moralistic. We're moralizing food yes. a lot. Whereas, like you said, if we could just return to... How can I nourish my body and feed myself in a way that feels right? And you know what? Going to a birthday party and, and say, oh, no, 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 I can't have cake because I'm on a diet. That's just an honor. No. Like, who I am. And also, <laughs> I'm just, like, tearing things down. No, go. Also, do this it. idea of emotional eating is bad. Right. I just throw that out the window. Right? Because you know what? From the beginning of time, yeah. people have used food to gather. Yes. To connect. Yes. You have a party. 
let's let's have right. let's make really delicious food and connect yes. over it and 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 yeah. the preparation of the food is a whole part of yes. culture yes and appreciating that and right. enjoying each other's company right. as we're preparing the food and the smells and the sights and making a beautiful table with food yes. is really it's it's not that's just nourishing to our nourishing too it's nourishing to our souls yes. in a way that I feel like is totally dropped out of the conversation right. that most people are talking about dieting and that right. food is good or bad or right i just think that we're not looking at the whole picture and so i could go on and on for hours right right about, about the the study that i've done and the, and the real I, thought that i've had to put yeah. into okay how does this relate to my life how have i looked at food and bodies and all of these things and how has it affected me for the longest time i hated to cook because food felt so, it felt evil. Like you said, right. it felt like a way of controlling my body. Right. And for a time, controlling my, my food intake to, to control how my body was, um, was so intense that it changed how I was able to then prepare and make food for my family. Yeah. A lot of healing had to be done in order for me to even be able to make a meal for my right. family. And, and not not be like traumatized. I mean, yeah. I, that sounds extreme, but truly, no. When you when I've had when I had disordered eating behaviors for so many years, right. preparing a meal was almost near traumatizing. Which just so how? Tell sad. me just a few of the things you've come to, and a few of the way. I know you said you could go on for hours, but just yeah. a few. So someone listening is struggling with that. Mm -hmm. What would you What would you say to them? Struggling with what? With the preparing a meal, or, um, or well, struggling with the idea that food that food is bad, that food is um, whatever you want to speak to. I guess. Well, I would say for me, in my experience, mm -hmm. the only way through that and like healing it, and um, and I wouldn't say I'm like healed, like I'm healed. Right? <laughs> Are we ever? I right. mean, it's just a journey. Right. But but the journey that's brought me to a place where I can now make a meal for my family. Yeah. I don't sit and like count calories or right. what, you know all of those kinds of behaviors that I did for so so many years. What's brought me to the other side of that has really been. Um, this will sound weird, maybe. Playing with food, giving myself permission to. I'm just gonna like pick a random recipe and make it, and I'm gonna try to make it fun, I'm gonna put on some good music, I'm maybe gonna invite a friend over, and we're gonna have some good conversation while I'm making this meal. And the, the process and the experience is gonna be more important than the outcome. It has to be more important than the outcome. Yeah. I may make a meal, and maybe I don't even like it after it's right. done, but now I had an experience. Right. And Or I tried a new food, I went to a restaurant and I tried a new food, and I'm gonna yeah. let myself play in that realm. Um, yeah. Taking the shame out of food, out of food preparation, out of what does my body look like after I've eaten, you know, do I have a, I don't know, I don't even want to say the words, but like, am I judging myself? Am I right. judging my body after I have a certain meal? I'm really going to tune into what is the experience like for me and how do I feel afterwards? Yeah. If I ate something and maybe it was a really rich food and maybe I feel a little sick after, I'm going to be like, well, that was a fun experience. Yeah. And maybe next time I would do something differently. Maybe I would change it. Maybe I wouldn't eat quite as much of it. Or maybe I would, you know, pair some fruit with it. Or maybe I would, uh, I don't know. Right. Play with the experience yeah. so that I can I can find in my journey what it is that makes me joyful. Yeah. In my experience with food, in my experience with my body. Right. Or giving myself permission to play with it. That may okay. sound really weird. No, it doesn't. In fact, food. I, so I hear you say two things. So correct me if I'm wrong. I hear you first saying, I threw out all my food rules. Oh, yeah. I threw out all my food rules. Toss them out. 
Right. I, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. Yeah. This is good. No food rules. Mm -hmm. But I also heard you um, take the judgment out of it. So instead of judging it, I'm going to analyze it. Mm. I'm going, I don't, I don't know. Is this no, true? So no, instead of no, judging, this it. was good, this was bad, you analyze this made me feel yeah. this way. This made me think these yeah. things. So instead yeah. of just throwing a judgment, you analyze. Yeah. My body didn't feel went. great after I ate that. Or I got yeah. heavy. Or I had kind of a sugar buzz, and then I got a headache. Right. And so maybe that doesn't work for me, and that's right. okay. And and I had to go through that experience to learn what I learned. Yeah. If I didn't eat the chocolate cake to the extent that I did, I wouldn't have learned that maybe I don't even like chocolate cake. Maybe not. I've worked with women. <laughs> Get this guy. Up. I've worked with women who there was there was one woman who um, she came to me and she said, if I make a cake for my family. We might eat, you know, I'll do the slices, and yeah. my family may eat half the cake. Right. And when everyone goes to bed, I can't not eat the rest of the cake. We played with this idea of, what if she were to tell herself, you know what, I always do this. I know I'm going to do it. I'm right. going to enjoy it. I'm going to set the table. I'm going to put some candles on the table. I'm going to put on some music. Yeah. And I'm going to give myself permission to sit down and eat this entire cake, and I'm going to enjoy every bite. Right. This is the most hilarious thing. She came into my office. And she said, Emily, I discovered I don't even like chocolate cake. What? Yeah. Yeah. She let herself do this like two or three times. Yeah. And that was the thing in their family. Everyone loved chocolate cake. Yeah. And so she would always yeah. eat chocolate cake. And by the third time, she's eating it. And I just said, you like, take the time to savor every yeah. bite. Don't don't rush through it. Don't eat at the, at the fridge. Like right. taking a few bites, sticking it in, closing the right. door, hoping no one sees you. Yeah. Make a production out of yeah. it. Own the fact that I'm going to eat this right. cake. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to enjoy every bite. Right. So by the third time it happened, she was like, I was savoring it. I was sitting there. And like mid-bite, probably halfway through that half of, you know, cake, yeah. she realized, I don't even think I like the taste of this. Wow. And I said, okay, let's not take it off the table. Maybe it's that one particular recipe. Right. Was it a store-bought cake? Did you make it? Like yeah. what? And we figured out she really didn't even like chocolate cake. No kidding. Since a kid... Sugar right. had been shamed, and like, yeah. there was no sugar in her house right. growing up. And so she would go to a friend's house, and if there was chocolate cake, like one of her first memories was um, eating this chocolate cake in a friend's right. house, and she was like, sugar, I'm not allowed to have this at home. Yeah. And she just, for, so she connected this memory of like enjoying finally having the experience right. of eating sugar. Right. Because as a kid, she never got that. And that's yeah. like an experience that like, come on, like, really? We're not going to? Yeah. Like, and and not to shame anyone, but right. but that was her experience. She she had this attachment to I finally got to eat the sugar, right? And it was chocolate cake. So then all growing up and into adulthood, yeah, she thought chocolate cake was her yeah. thing. It was like the joke, like I right. can't not eat the chocolate cake, right? And she discovered she didn't even she like doesn't even like it. I think that's the scarcity mentality mm -hmm. that dieting causes. And yeah. I remember talking to someone yeah. one time, and they were doing a certain diet where. You know, they couldn't eat all day, but then they could eat whatever they wanted for an hour. Yeah. That's, anyway, that's one of them out there. It's the binging. It just yeah. promotes this binging yeah. mentality. And so I was I was asking him about it, and he said, I can't do that one because it makes me absolutely obsessed with food mm -hmm. all, yeah, all day long. Yeah. You're all I can think about is that one hour. What am I going to eat tonight? Yes. I got to plan my food because yes. I only and have I one hour. And I think that's what dieting does. Okay, so yeah. can we speak to, so here's, here's what I'm saying as a chronic dieter who's trying to overcome. So I'm thinking... Who has time? I mean, give us a week. We'll take off the weight, right? And so it took time for her to experience that. But, like, 
I gotta get the weight off quick. Like, how do you how do you speak to that timetable where we have to be patient? We with... have to invest in ourselves. Yes, we have to give ourselves the time, yeah. the space. One of one of my favorite words in in coaching is spaciousness, because I think so often we're in a rush. Yeah, we have this instant, you know, I need it right now mentality. And if we just give ourselves the spaciousness and the time to sit with what we're feeling and feel it, and then give ourselves the opportunity to question, is this what I want? Is this what I don't want? What does that make me feel like? And pause. It's amazing how powerful it can be. The mindfulness, mindfulness, the mindfulness mm-hmm. and the connection to the disordered yeah. eating and the cravings yeah. and, and just some of the study I'm doing yeah. about that. That's huge. Just to yeah. be mindful. Like, yeah. maybe I don't even like chocolate cake, yeah. you know, that was a, a, like mind blowing for her. She like couldn't stop giggling. Wow. When she realized that because what it did is it opened the door for her to discover all kinds of different yeah. foods. If she wasn't fixated on chocolate cake right. anymore, it was like, wow, do I like creme brulee? Do I yeah. like a trifle? Do I like all right. the other desserts that she hadn't even right. let herself right. enjoy? Because right. she was fixated on chocolate cake. And so it kind of became this just discovery. Wow. This discovery journey yeah. of like, okay, then what foods? And it opened the door to even what, what you know, savory meals. Do you like As I say, it opens it up past sugar. Because yeah, being sugar. sugar deprived, she probably exactly. was all fixated on yeah, sugar. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she yeah. likes savory. She discovered she loved vegetables with like wow. a little bit of butter and a little yeah. bit of salt. She started, she found herself and, and you know, we, we finished our work. I think we got her to a point where she, she had the tools. Yeah. And I am always so happy when I have a client go, I don't need to work with you anymore. <laughs> I love that. Then you I, won. I, I, right. We all won. It was fabulous. Yay. And yeah. go spread the word of, of enjoying food right. and respecting your body yeah. and eating what really feels good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my favorite part about, yeah. about the work that I do um, yeah. in, in helping women discover joy in, in nourishing their bodies right? and that it's okay to have a dessert because yes. it's going to help. It's going to just help me feel satisfied. Right. And, and then I'm not fixated on it the rest of the week yeah. or whatever, or yeah. you know, however often you people let themselves have a dessert. Right. It's like, why, why is there a, a time frame I can only eat dessert once a week or whatever? It's like, yeah, because what that also does when we say I can only eat dessert once a week is it kind of says we have to eat it once a week. Right. What if you don't even want dessert right. that week? Right. When we start putting numbers on it. Yeah. The food rules. The food rules. Yeah. Then we start realizing that it works to our detriment yeah. too. Yeah. And so- Please join us next time for part two. Thank you for tuning in. Please like and subscribe. It helps our algorithms so we can be seen and heard.